This is the Shenandoah Down Under podcast. In the final days of the American Civil War, the CSS Shenandoah set out on an epic year-long secret mission. Join your Australian hosts, Robert Love and Michael O'Brien, as they follow the last Confederate cruiser on its quest to find and sink the Yankee whaling fleet, wherever on the high sea they may find them. And hello, and welcome to Shenandoah Down Under, or Confederate Pirates Save the Whales, with Robin Mulder, Robert Love, and Mike Lobrine. I'm Rob. And I'm Mel. I was waiting for you to say Mike Lobrine, but then last last week when you said that... You, I, I was chided for doing so, so I'm not doing this week. Rob, this is a very exciting day. Uh, I, I, look, I think... Uh, just just so you know out there in listener land, we are not recording on our usual Buffy Tuesday. On our usual Buffy Tuesday, and that is because 25th of January um, 1865 and 25th of January 2015 are very, very special days if you are interested in uh, the history of the Shenandoah, as who is not. Well, we discovered today there were some people who are, because it's the 150th anniversary of the arrival of the CSS Shenandoah in the city of Melbourne, our hometown, and today we went to a celebration thereof. Well, we should should start at the beginning, though. We we started, we woke up... Back where, um, back down, down at the heads of Ocean Grove, uh, six kilometres away from um, Queenscliff, where um, the Shenandoah sailed through 150 years ago. We had, uh, we briefly thought about having a um, celebratory outside broadcast at Queenscliff, and then we settled for a, a celebratory inside bacon and eggs and pancakes because the the weather wasn't looking too good. It, it was, it was pretty grim. Um, Melbourne is uh, in po- at the top of Port Phillip Bay, yes. so the Shenandoah had to pass through the heads, the entrance of Port Phillip Bay, and sail its way up. Yes, yes, that's what I did on, as we said, 25th of, of January. Now, this is... I, I can't believe that when we had a very special Christmas episode, which was also the last time we violated our Tuesday um, episode... Um, that was only a month ago, and we thought our Christmas episode was a very special episode, but... but Nothing gets more special than this, because the Shenandoah was in our hometown. We were, we were standing very close to the spot where it was, uh, it was dry docked. Well, it, it's not only that. So, so yes, we were very close to, to the government uh, slip. Um, we were at the, the Seaworks, the, the Melbourne Maritime Museum, and by one of those... Ex- Extraordinary coincidences of history that is almost by now not so much a coincidence. Of course, um, we mentioned a couple of episodes ago that the Sea Shepherd was in Williamstown. And what what we didn't uh, realise at that time was that um, the Sea Shepherd is in fact docked at next next door to the, the Sea Works Maritime Museum. So... Basically, um, we went we went to the SeaWorks Maritime Museum. Um, uh, they had a, a general uh, maritime uh, exhibition for the Australia Day weekend, but they had a, a very specific Shenandoah commemoration. And then you could go and um, take your tour of the Sea Shepherd. And again, the Sea Shepherd being the absolute 
most yeah the, the the reborn Shenandoah for the new age with 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 veganism instead of eating pigs and uh, yeah. But, um, so, so and, and not quite fighting to maintain slavery, but never mind. No, 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 yes, yes. Um, fighting to maintain the But life fighting against whales, though. Fighting against... Uh, whalers, sorry. Whalers, whalers, whalers. And in between the two, in between um, Seaworks, well, actually, part of Seaworks, but um, there was the Pirate's Bar. Now, do you remember that... The Pirate's uh, Tavern. Pirate's Tavern. Do you remember a, a few weeks ago that um, you raised that uh, the, um, the Steve Irwin... Somewhat resembled a pirate ship, given that its its logo is a skull and trident, and it, it, it's in camo gear. Um, well, right next to the Steve Irwin um, is the um, the pirate's tavern, decorated with with much pirate pirate paraphernalia. And off the the pirate's tavern is the Shenandoah room, where they have many pictures of the Shenandoah. This is a, a permanent exhibition; it's not related to the. Uh, the current SeaWorks ex- exhibition, um, and look, I'm, I'm sorry to say this because, of course, you know we, we record um, an episode one week and then we release it the next week because we have to edit it. But on tap at the Pirates Tavern, they had a special 150th anniversary Shenandoah ale. Oh, and it was very pleasant. Well, well uh, Michael had a, a, a pot of it, and. Um, in, uh, in Australia, a pot is about 300 mil or half a pint. Let, let's just say half a pint. But um, I wasn't driving, so I had the full pint. And it was, it was a very nice beer. And very possibly the, the only beer specially brewed for the 150th anniversary of the Shenandoah. And unless, I mean, look, Ponape up in Micronesia might be having great plans for their 150th. Um, I'd love to go find out. Yes. Yeah, uh, well, yes, yes. Indeed, we that'd, be, that'd make a great live broadcast. <laughs> um, and but I guess the thing about Alaska is they didn't actually land a port. They, they didn't actually land at Alaska. They didn't actually come into port. The only two ports they landed at were here in Melbourne yes. and in uh, the Caroline Islands, as they were called at the time, in Micronesia. Yep. And that happens uh, in a few months from now, I suppose. Well, we'll get there eventually. Yes, we, we, we will indeed. Um, at, at least in our podcast, if not in, <laughs> in person, sadly. I thought the other really interesting thing in the Shenandoah Room, and this is a new addition, is there is a scale model that was made a, a, of the ship. Yes, a, a scale model, although it wasn't black. I, I don't really understand because they keep on calling it the black ship. But uh, th- th- this model was not black. It was probably intended to show that... Um, it was actually, in fact, the outside was clad in wood, so it was clad in teak, which would, which would not have been black. Yeah, but it was a, it was a, that was a new addition to uh, this exhibition. We were reliably informed. There were uh, speeches yes. today. Yes. yes, There was a commemoration, a plaque unveiled. A plaque, yes. Um, a ceremonial firing of cannon. And, what? Well, my goodness, cannon, cannon are loud. They... they they, they, they had four cannon. Um, there was even a reenactment group called the Sailors of the Shenandoah, the Australian Sailors of the Shenandoah. And as we'll get on in later episodes, there were Australian Sailors of the Shenandoah, which caused some problems. In fact, 42 of them. Yes. And uh, they unveiled a flag, which was a uh, Confederate Navy flag. It, 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 I believe it was a storm flag, mm-hmm. which, which not not... 
well, to, to raise some controversy. I think um, nobody really in Australia wanted to raise a flat-out Confederate flag. So it wasn't a, a flat-out Confederate flag, but it was a Shenandoah storm flag, I believe. Oh, I see. There was also uh, some reenactors from Nelson's Navy, somewhat incongruously, though well, um, they were there with muskets doing a, um, what do you call it? They fired their muskets. They fired their muskets. A salute. A salute, yes. Um, the, the Nelson's Navy people were probably there because they're the people who know that fired cannon. So they were probably the group that was, uh, was doing the cannon firing. And, um, well, I, I think there will probably be no bigger day in Shenandoah 150th anniversary reenactment because the, the Sea Works, um, which is on the, on the foreshore in Williamstown and uh, a lovely place to go to, they, they went all out. Um, they had the, the Mayor of Hobson's Bay, um, Colleen Gates, she, she, gave, she gave a speech. Um, Trevor Huggard, the ex-Lord Mayor of Melbourne, who I believe is on the board of, of Sea Works, mm-hmm. um, gave a speech. And Wade uh, Noonan, who was a, the member of, of Williamstown and not just a member, member of Parliament, member of Williamstown for, for the Victorian Parliament, um, and he's also, um, I made a number of jokes about, uh, he's the Minister for Police and Corrections. And of course, um, yes, he, he did make some jokes that if uh, the Minister of Police and Corrections had done their job properly 150 years ago, the entire crew of the Shenandoah would have been, uh, would have been promptly arrested and uh, that, that would have saved the, uh, the Crown of England um, a, a... $15 million. And the, the other thing that we did down at SeaWorks, uh, they also had a, an exhibition uh, about specifically about the Shenandoah. And um, we um, got quite quite a number of pictures. I was, I was quite the photographer. And uh, we um, we also uh, met some members of the, the Melbourne Civil War Roundtable, who I think um, we... The Melbourne chapter of the Australian the, 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 Civil yes. War Roundtable. Yes, yes. There's a loose confederation of Civil War Roundtables, I believe, uh, all across the world. So we met um, uh, Barry Crompton, um, who has written 20 pamphlets. 20 pamphlets. And... Um, we normally do the traditional um, holding up of the sources to the microphone. Well, we we haven't actually you know, we're not going to use Barry's uh, pamphlets, um, which are, are very thorough. We're not going to be using them today because we we only bought them two hours ago. But we bought all twenty of uh, Barry's pamphlets and we fan them in front of the fan them in front of the microphone. That is uh, a whole lot of work by a man who was really dedicated his life to preserving the story of the Shenandoah in Australia. Um, We've got the roster of the crew, images of the ship, images of the officers, images of Melbourne. Uh, We've got reminiscences, bibliography. Oh, there's just so much here, Rob. We're going to be... uh, we're going to be ploughing our way through this for our future uh, presentations. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be meeting um, Barry again in a, in a week or so because um, we plan to attend the Civil War Roundtable and uh, we also plan to go to the, um, the Officers' Ball, which is going to be held in Ballarat in a couple of weeks' time, um, in the same hotel that hosted the CSS Shenandoah's um, Officers Ball 150 They called it the Buccaneers Ball, the which Buc- again tells you that uh, the, 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 the association with Pirates was yeah, there, yes. was there even at the time. And uh, we also met uh, Dr Dale Blair, the, um, the president of the Civil War Roundtable, who I believe is a historian of the First World War. So 
he's going to go straight from the Civil War, um, 150th to the... Um, in fact, he's working on two, two commemorations at once. And uh, we also met uh, Brian Shepard, the treasurer of the Civil War Roundtable. Now, he was the first person we met who said, oh, I've listened to your podcast, um, I guess, randomly, except it's not quite so random when he's standing behind a, um, a, a table dedicated to selling postcards of the Shenandoah. So uh, at the one time, I was very pleased that he had listened to our podcast, and it was... Um, uh, yeah, wonder, wonderful to hear that. On, on the other, on the other hand, if nobody behind that table had listened to our podcast, then I, I think we would, we, we would have had the problem. But anyway, anyway, we 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 had have some. It was, a, it was a great discussion with uh, with them, and we're we're going to a meeting of the Civil War Roundtable Melbourne chapter later this week. Later this week, and also tonight we're going to um, a, a lecture given by. Um, Dr. Uh, Angus Curry, who wrote The Officers of the CSS Shenandoah, which is a source that we've used uh, a number of times during our podcast. And also there's going to be the Public Relations Specialist, Dr. Sam Craighead, from the Museum of the Confederacy in Richmond, Virginia. Now, that's going to be very interesting. Uh, that is going to be very, very, very interesting, yes. Um, because it'll... it'll It'll be interesting to, to I mean, the, the, the Museum of the Confederacy, in fact, has the Shenandoah's flag, uh, has a lot of the original um, uh, yeah, material, um, a lot of the diaries from the Shenandoah. Mm-hmm. It will be interesting to see what um, what the Museum of the Confederacy's take is on the, uh, the 150th anniversary. And uh, we'll, we'll, re- we'll report back on that in our next, uh, next, next broadcast. Um, one thing we don't think we'll get invited to is... Um, uh, so they landed in Australia on the 25th. Um, a week later, so I think probably the following weekend, they were the guests of the Melbourne Club. And the Melbourne Club is the establishment club, yeah, in, in, not just in Melbourne, but really in Australia. Every, every Prime Minister of Australia is automatically granted membership of the Melbourne Club until they got to Julia Gillard, who was not eligible because she was a woman. And refused it anyway. Yes. Interesting. Well, we're going to get into uh, the 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 shenanigans that happened when the when the Shenandoah landed in Melbourne, which was uh, this day 150 years ago. Just coming up to Melbourne, they had a very interesting encounter with another ship just before they uh, they arrived at the heads. And uh, if you remember, there was Captain Nichols and yes. his wife on board. On board, the ship. Yes. They'd been captured some time earlier. They noticed a ship in the distance, which uh, Mr. Whittle, the executive officer, saw to be a thought to be a Yankee ship. But the captain didn't make chase as he thought it was the Nimrod, a ship yes. that they'd already bought. And the Nimrod was the ship that really was actually a Yankee ship. But the cheerful uh, British captain on board. Uh, through the gift of a um, case of brandy, had managed to convince them that even though he didn't quite have the ship's papers on him, it was all in order in the ship. Had he, he'd left them in his other trail. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, he said, that's, that's the Nimrod, we're not chasing after it. Well, Mr Whittle discovered some time later, because he annotated his, his memoir, 
to say that uh, the vessel was actually a ship called the, the David Brown, bound for Adelaide, and it was commanded in the great part owned by Miss, Mr. Nichols' brother. And At least it wasn't Mrs. Nichols' brother. Can you imagine what middle, Mrs. Nichols would have done if, if they'd not only taken her husband's ship, but also her brother's? So, um, Captain Nichols, when he saw the arrival, said that she was the ship we passed at this time, and he was very certain of it at the time. Yes. And was very uneasy for fear we'd give chase. So he had to keep mum looking at his uh, his brother's ship off there um, in the distance and wondering if the Shenandoah was going to capture it as well. That would have been a very tense time on board. You, you can also imagine uh, at what point he would have told Mr Whittle, and I think he would have told Mr Whittle as he was getting on the boat um, in Hobson's Bay to be offloaded into Williamstown. He, he notes here actually that it was, uh, it was said that uh, he learned of the arrival of that ship at Adelaide about the same time, and that's when Captain Nichols told him, told him so. And, and do, you think, do you think he went, uh, on, on, on cocking a snook at the microphone here, uh, do you think he went nerds to you? And, and nah, I think nah, he nah. did because uh, Mr Whittle also writes that uh, on the 25th of January 1865 they arrived in Melbourne and our prisoners after being paroled went ashore in shore boats with their effects and Mrs Nichols' last words to express a hope that we would come to grief. Good, good for Mrs. Nichols. Yes, um, and he says I cannot blame her much. <laughs> well, uh, so this happened uh, exactly a hundred and fifty years ago, and uh, the Shenandoah ended up spending some time in Melbourne, causing quite a bit of drama and excitement, which we're going to get to over the next uh, couple of broadcasts. Well, well, yes. Um, the fact that uh, again, that Wade Noonan was um, uh, not just uh, the member for Williamstown, Williamstown but um, co- police and corrections um, minister. Um, the, the, yes, there, there was a lot to do in Melbourne with uh, with the police. Um, that in fact, troops were called out at some point. And that's uh, a lot of that's down to the action of the American consul yes. in Melbourne, William Blanchard, yes. who, um, as you can imagine, was. Uh, probably had quite a bit of consternation when he learned that a Confederate cruiser had pulled into port. Yeah. Well, I was about to say that wouldn't have been good, but it it would have been... It would have given him something to do, and, and, and no doubt he, he set out to to try and do the Shenandoah all the harm that that, that he could. Now, uh, again, um, from, from reading um, Waddell's memoirs, Although, although they weren't expected, um, when the pilot came out of the heads, came out of Queenscliff, um, and again, um, despite the fact that um, Melbourne is Australia's busiest port, um, it, everybody um, uh, thinking about Australia thinks about Sydney Harbour, and Sydney Harbour is, is a, lovely, a lovely place and a beautiful place, but it's not a port. Uh, Melbourne is a port. Um, but the, the problem is that the entrance to um, Melbourne through through the heads is is, is very narrow, um, terrible currents. It's uh, very treacherous. Very treacherous. In fact, one of Australia's prime ministers managed to get himself drowned trying to swim across the heads. There's a beach very close to the heads where he drowned. And, and Rob, 
Australia in true form then to commemorate that and remember yes. him named a swimming pool. Uh, it's, the, it's a, the Harold Holt Memorial Swimming it, Pool. It, it's the Harold Holt Memorial Swimming Pool. I know it very well because um, it was at the end of the street that I grew up in, uh, Vincent Street in Melbourne. And it's not only... Um, um, no, no, no less a comedian than Barry Humphreys that used to make fun of the Harold Holt Memorial Swimming Pool. Um, but it is not just a memorial to a Prime Minister who drowned. It is also a, a, a primary um, example of the brutalist concrete school of, of architecture. And, and believe me, if, if, if you don't know what the brutalist concrete school of architecture is, just, just Google Harold Holt Memorial <laughs> Swimming Pool and it is... Uh, um, we, we, we promised iTunes that this is not going to be an explicit um, uh, podcast, but um, it belongs to the FU school of, uh, of architecture, um, shall we say. Um, but so it is a very treacherous... Uh, uh, That's what uh, Bill Bryson had so memorably described a number of uh, chain hotels around the Midwest, I believe. Oh, yeah. He used that, the uh, okay. FU school of architecture. Okay. Um, um, so they were directed into, into Hobson's Bay, and um, I, I, I believe that's the bay actually between Williamstown and, uh, and, and Melbourne itself. And Port Melbourne, yes. That, that's where ships would uh, weigh anchor. Yep. You'd have bum boats and supply boats come out and go back and forth. Yep. And uh, Williamstown was on one side, and uh, Port of Melbourne was on the other. And... Uh, Port Melbourne also was known at the time as Sandridge as well, possibly because there was a ridge made of sand. Maybe, maybe. So um, now, um, at this point, um, they've arrived in a, a English-speaking port uh, for the first time in uh, you know, two or three months. Um, so what what news was there on the Rialto? Well, well they would have had the next. pilot pick them up yep. and take them through the heads and go all the way up, and the pilot was able to give them all sorts of interesting information. Well, that I imagine had. pilots would know all sorts of things. Well, uh, Whittle writes about it. He says... Sorry, but as they were going in, I believe various ships met them and, and saw their Oh, flag. yes, yes. He writes about how they passed with their flag flying, so I assume this is the Confederate Navy yes. flag at this point, and numerous steamers, tugs and sailing crafts all saluted by dipping their ensigns, and in some instances, even cheering. Well, that's... Mm. been very heartening. So when they finally uh, put down their anchor off Sandridge or Port Melbourne, as it's uh, called these days, the pilot had given them lots of news, and this included over the last four months that Lee had gained a great victory near Petersburg. And Petersburg, Virginia was a very crucial uh, place because it enabled uh, the Confederacy to supply both Lee's army and also Richmond, their capital. Yes. Given that Peter Petersburg later fell to the Union, I assume that's not the victory they're talking about. You'd think not. Um... Uh, some other small victories in Virginia that the Florida, one of the other uh, raiders that we talked about in earlier episodes, mm. had been disgracefully seized yes. in the port of Bahia, Brazil. Yes. In fact, we, we wondered uh, when we were talking about this in an earlier episode uh, whether, in fact, the Shenandoah had known about this at the time, but, but um, clearly Fair they had But when you're entering a neutral port, that one of the first things you hear about is that another of your ships has been seized in another neutral port. I, I think it would cause you some... Um... Cause some consternation. 
Uh, they were also had some consternation to learn that Lincoln had been re-elected president. Yes. Now, he was up against uh, a former general, George McClellan. Yes. And if McClellan had been elected, there's a very strong possibility that a, a peace may have been negotiated. Hmm. And Andrew Johnson of Tennessee had been elected vice president. So, as uh, Whittle writes here, this looks like there's going to be no end to the war. God alone can tell when or how it will end. Well, it's interesting because all, all through the campaign of the Shenandoah, people are wondering about, about what they know. And th this seems to be a case where they weren't operating on any sort of incomplete information. They had information from Melbourne, which was probably you know, one or two months old, but would have every newspaper, every diplomatic communique. Um, and in fact, th there was no great victory at Petersburg. There are a number of, of holding operations to stop the, the, the Union taking Petersburg. But at, at this moment, it, it does look like genuinely um, Whittle believes that the, 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 the war is nowhere near over. We, we, we can kind of say genuinely believes because... Um, uh, a bit a bit later in, in the month, um, there's some mysterious missing pages in Mr Whittle's uh, journal, I believe. There is, yes. Well, well, we will actually get to that in later episodes. But it, it all it's all to do with, and this is, this is very important. They immediately have sent a communique to the governor. Yes, governor which, governor Darling. Yes, um, his name was Sir Charles Darling, but. In, in Whittle's journal, it is quite uh, amusingly written as Governor Sir, in brackets, somebody darling, because he obviously <laughs> couldn't remember his name, stating the object of our visit and asking permission to undergo certain necessary prevails, reprovision and land prisoners. Mm. Did not mention anything in that communique about recruiting extra crew. Well, no, because that would have been completely illegal. Hence... Uh, as we'll discover in future episodes, why there is a big chunk of missing pages from Mr. Whittle's journal. Well, I, I very much hope that that's repaired by um, one of the pamphlets that uh, we bought from uh, Mr. B Mr. Barry Crompton today, which we are holding up. Holding we up have a good half a kilo of uh, information yeah. here to process. Because I, I do very much hope that um, there's some quotes in there from um, a number of the other uh, officers on the Shenandoah. Because, again, um, to, to foreshadow, um, apparently in, in Melbourne, the, the officers and, and presumably the men of the Shenandoah had a pretty amazing time. Uh, yes, I think they had a very enjoyable time. And also in uh, the gold mining city of Ballarat with yes. their buccaneers. Well, the buccaneers so landing the prisoners was interesting because they weren't feeling authorised to hold our prisoners in a neutral port or send them ashore without permission. We simply gave them to understand in so many words there were plenty of boats alongside <laughs> and they could remain until we got permission to land them or avail, them, avail themselves of the shore boats. Now, interestingly, the prisoners all decided to stay on board. I think that's a classic case of Stockholm syndrome. It was quite late at night, he notes here. Okay, okay. But uh, uh, Whittle does write, and this is something we're going to explore over the next uh, number of episodes, if we can judge from the outward signs, 
we are likely to find a good deal of sympathy here amongst the people. It's the first time that these people have ever seen our flag or any of our people. And as we have, as it were, the reputation of the Confederacy to make and maintain, it is very incumbent that every man and officer should be circumspect. Circumspect. Well, I think, you know, fly the flag and uh, fly, be respectable. Fly the flag. Be so, uh, um, which they kind of singularly fail to do in, in many respects. As, as we are going to recount <laughs> over, over the next the next few exciting episodes. The, the officer that was sent with the message to the governor came back and, and the governor said that he would give an answer tomorrow, which I think indicates the governor is now sitting in government house scratching his head, yes, wondering, wondering exactly what to do. Well, hopefully he's going to have um, yeah, some, some, well, some directives from um, the UK about about what what, what to do if, uh, if a Confederate ship comes into his port. But what if he doesn't? What if he has got no idea what to do? That's that's what we're going to explore in our in our next few episodes. And indeed, we will be um, talking about that in future episodes. Although I believe, Michael, you have some some late 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 did news. It, did it, did it, did it. Late news flash. Yes, I've just noticed on uh, ABC News. Yes. That's the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Not, not the American Broadcasting Corporation. There is a story today about the American Civil War Confederate ship CSS Shenandoah's arrival in Melbourne, remembered. And that was talking about the events that we went to today. Uh, and do they mention in that the, the wonderful podcast put together by Robert Love and Michael O'Brien? I, I bet they don't because they're terrible. Not quite, but uh, they do quote one of the organisers of the commemoration, Peter Hempel, said the visit had world significance, it destroyed the whaling fleet of the US. Yes. And that's something that is definitely going to be coming to the fore yes. in uh, future episodes of our podcast. Well, look, we, we managed to, to reach out to the, um, uh, the, the Civil War Roundtable in the last week or so. Now, given that the Civil War Roundtable, um, sorry, the, um, seemed to, to, in many ways, share the same pub with um, the, the, the Sea Shepherd, the, the Pirates Retreat at Seaworks, um, we, we might be able to get some, uh, some feedback from uh, the Sea Shepherd as well about um, what it's like to, to you know, try and stop whalers in, in, in Arctic or South Antarctic waters. 150 years later. 150 yes. years later, yes, yes. Uh, we, we didn't really actually go into our, our, our tour of the Sea Shepherd all that much, but we can probably talk about that uh, next week as well. Oh, I'd but, like to do that because I, I was seriously impressed. And, yeah, it, yes. And the Steve Irwin, that's a seriously badass ship. Yes, it's even, more, it's even more badass than, the, than the, the Bob Barker, which is the one that they bought off the Norwegian whaling fleet. Um, because the Steve Irwin just goes out there with, with no no you know, eye protection and just doesn't care. It just goes, goes out and does its job. Although that might be wise in Williamstown and not um, out in the Southern Ocean. We can find out. We can find out. Um, so anyway, so this has been a, a Shenandoah Down Under or Confederate Pirates Save the Whales with Rob and Mob or Robert Love and Michael O'Brien. I'm Rob. I'm Bob. Tally-ho. Tally-ho and ahoy. <laughs>